please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Hello, this is Rick Bonfim wishing you a good morning, wishing you a wonderful day today. And it's a privilege in the name of Jesus to stand before this camera to share with you the gospel according to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Let me read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Louis and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. One of the things I want you to be reminded of, that to read this text in the context of today, it's almost become very difficult. Because the, the sounding of the words that is being said here in the 21st century have a, a connotation, a weight, that is missing. Look, you're talking about a church that is being invaded by heresies. When you look back into First Timothy, you begin to see that the church is invaded by lying wonders workings of Satan, deities in the numbers of 15, 16 deities. I mentioned several of them to you yesterday. You know, what is the environment today in Georgia? The Georgia Bulldogs, the, the, the football team in Athens is, is the talk of the town. In the times that this letter is written to Second Timothy, Ephesus is having invaded by all ideologies of all kinds. And you're talking about the seven churches being developed in, in, uh, 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 in Ephesus, uh, moving toward, toward uh, East Asia, and, and these gods showing up everywhere. And so reading in that context, then it becomes more real to you and I. So I hope I'm... I'm, 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 I'm I'm clearing this up so you know. So let's go back here in just a, a, a minute, and let's take a look at, uh, at this verse. It says, For an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. By the will of God. And then it says, uh, 
according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Paul's idea of life was that life begins with Christ and is a different type of life that you never had before. It's a style of living totally, completely different. And so, uh, according to the promise, uh, emphasizes the purpose of God, of Paul, according to the purpose of which God called me. So, Paul is called to apostleship. And so, Christ Jesus identifies with the call of the person, and the call of the person becomes the main trust of your life as, as you become an apostle. So, in other words, if you are following Christ, there's got to be a, a, a call to what you're called to do and be able to enforce that call in your life because without that, you're, you're just wondering, doing literally nothing. So Paul's goal was to remind everyone that came in contact his mission was eternal life. So you see here, you see here eternal life becoming the main goal of Second Timothy. In other words, Timothy, I want you to do all of this. Be careful with all these guys that are around you because the main goal, the main trust is eternal life. And uh, life begins with Jesus. Now, Paul had a unique relationship with Timothy. And you probably say, well, it's just a little more, it's a little co- uncomfortable when you hear Paul say, my dear son, I love you, I miss you, all that. It's because Paul is an old man. And an old man, when he relates to those that he loves the most, he treats them tenderly. I can find out myself doing the same thing. And so, and so he's the, my dear son. Now, Paul never had his children. I constantly remind, remember you in my prayers night and day. Now, why is that the case? Because of what the church is experiencing in those days. Listen, the church today in America is, is experiencing these days. This is a divide country. This is a country in which moral codes have been totally rewritten. The church itself has written down a new code of ethics. It's a new day in the life of any church in America. You cannot make confession of sin because it, it might embarrass someone. And so, so let me go to verse 3 to 5 because I want to take chunks a little bit and divide and let you see what uh, this is going on. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. He's very proud of his upbringing as a Jewish man. With a clear conscience, even though he was a, a murderer of Christians, he did it because he was a Hebrews of Hebrews. Recalling your tears, I long to see you that I may be with, filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith. And you're going to notice, notice that as, as uh, 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 in First Timothy says, Therefore among God's church we boast about your perseverance. In faith and all persecutions and trials you are enduring. So, so Paul is treating Timothy tenderly because he was going through hell. Among churches, God's churches, and all the churches that were there, you know, you're talking about the seven churches of Revelation. 
We boast about your perseverance. And so the church of Ephesus had a problem. The church of Ephesus was in war against demons daily. It was, it was persecutions, invasions, harassments against Timothy. I can feel that way. After 40, uh, 42 years to serve God, I, I, I never, I, I've been so persecuted. I should have been mentally ill by now. But God has restored me, strengthened me, and healed me and delivered me. And I'm looking forward to continue to preach and be bold before God and what God has called me to do. And so in the morning, I slap my face silly and say, get up now. There's a work to do. My son Sammy sent me a text every day this way. He says to me, my son Rick calls me and talks to me a little bit, which is a wonderful thing. And my son Sammy says, put you ten toes on the floor. I'm waiting for it. So I get out of bed and I put my ten toes on the floor. So what I do next? Move your leg and go to the bathroom <laughs> and shave. <laughs> and, of course, that's Sammy. Okay. All right. And so this relationship with Paul and Timothy explains the trials as the pastor of Ephesus. It wasn't easy. Now, you can't see that in the text. But you have to realize that hell is breaking through every single day that Timothy gets out of bed. And so Paul comes in with first the letter of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and he is just hitting hard, you know. He, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. For God did not give us a spirit of fear. Come on, Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Because fear is a, it's an invading attitude, an invading voice, an invading element that causes you to lose perspective of conscious life. When conscious life is being affected, you're just not doing too well. You know what, what that is? You, you look at a thought and you sit there and you... Hours, hours in nothing. So conscious life is affected. You've got to do something about it. Fear destroys your conscious life. You're not there. So, so Paul is writing with that intent in his mind. Are you getting this to me for me now? Those of you who are listening to me, are you getting this? Or am I talking to a wall? Are you hearing me? Paul is writing to a young boy, a young preacher, that is in torment, demons everywhere bothering him. Some of you are going through this right now. Some of you are going through this very moment, fighting for life, for breath, for fresh air. And I'm here to tell you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So rise up, get out of bed, put your toes on the floor, and get with it. Okay, now, sometimes the emotional goes unexplained. Until we finally see why Paul is prophesying to Timothy so much. The level of prophecy in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy is one of the highest levels of prophecy anywhere in the Bible in the letters of Paul. Paul wrote 14 epistles of the New Testament 
And these two, uh, because of the because of the quality and the harassment of demonic activity in the city of Ephesus. Recalling your tears. What do you mean by that? Remembering Timothy on the floor crying before God, asking him for strength for the day, prophetically. His faith, sincere faith, honestly, just living by faith, believing by faith for meals, for food, for shelter, for provision, going hungry at times, not able to get up because you didn't sleep all night. Remembering Eunice and his grandmother, Louis. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. How do you flame into flame the gift of God? How do you flame? You, you lift your hands up and in the spirit realm you begin to pray. You begin to call upon the name of the Lord. You begin to cry. You begin to move. You begin to tell your legs, move on, bars on, move on, get going, get exercise, get going, stop being so bothered by, by the passivity that the devil is putting upon you. Get out of bed in the name of Jesus. I remind, fan into flame the, the gift of God. Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands, Paul says. When I touch you with my hands, the flame of the power of the Holy Spirit begins to move. Okay. Let's go into verse 6. Chapter 1, Second Timothy. I just finished that, didn't I? Let's go to, and I just finished chapter verse 7. Either also, for God not give a spirit of fear, but you have power, love, and a sound mind. Okay, now. <laughs> I just want you to know that that's it. <laughs> In other in other words, I just flipped it here looking for another page and poof, there's nothing there. Okay, good. But the Lord has something for you. So let's go on. Now, verse 8. Then begins to confirm what the Holy Spirit is doing through Paul in the life of Timothy. In the, in the area of the emotional. Because fear is emotional. Sincere faith is emotional. Tears, recalling your tears, is emotional. My dear son is emotional. By God's will, he called. I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor because of emotional. All of this is leading toward a, a deep emotional turn into, between Paul and Timothy. Now, if you go to verse 8 of chapter one of Second Timothy. Let me just recall. Second Timothy chapter one, verse eight. It says, Now listen to this. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. I don't remember how you deal with uh, hairstyles in those days. But I want you to see a blonde Greek man with a white attire going through his shoulders all the way down the ground, holding here another piece of robe. His hair is all twisted in coitus, style, 
you know, just twisted and making him look like a god. Walking down the street to the library to spend the morning reading something from Aphroditus. And here is Timothy trying to tell somebody that Jesus, the one crucified in Jerusalem, dead and buried, ascended from to heaven at the right hand of God today. He is the Lord of life. He is the one who can give life. And so Paul is saying, do so do not be ashamed. Don't feel bad testifying about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Because see, Paul is in jail. Paul is in, 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 in where was Paul? Paul is in Rome. He's in jail. And writing a letter from jail to Timothy is just a very, very, very negative thing to say. But he said, join me with me, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Join me. Join with me in suffering for the gospel. You know, last week as we were in Cuba, and honestly, I say to you, uh, the food is to be deserved. It wasn't easy. But if my brothers and sisters in Cuba eat the same food that I'm eating, I need, but let me tell you this, uh, I live in America. I live a mile from Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's is the, the best place to buy food for me. It's all $5, and you put on the microwave, and you can eat it, and it'll make you sick. But Cuba don't have Trader Joe's. Cuba, <laughs> they have rice, rice covered with uh, little black beans, and they have bananas. And so rice and bananas was the order of the day. After you have that for seven days, I want you to know that uh, <laughs> I want to. <laughs> it gets old. Now I don't consider that suffering. But after I returned from Peru, I stayed sick for three days, and I felt the impact of illness. So I did suffer. What Paul is saying here, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel. I want to encourage you to get on the plane with me and head to Brazil in January and minister for five days to all preachers all over that town of Salvador, Bahia. I want you to join me as we go to Peru in the fall of 2023 and minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in Peru. I ask you to join me as we go into Cuba, as we move to Israel, as we go into the seven churches of Revelation in Turkey. I want you to join me to be a part of these outreaches throughout the world. And you might have to suffer. But look at this. It says, who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. Join me in the suffering 
uh, to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Join me as we move, as we preach, as we share in the suffering. Are you able to suffer? Are you able to understand the suffering? Are you able to hear what he is actually saying here? This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. What do you mean by grace is the gift of God that forgives sin? If we confess our sins, he's just and faithful to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so grace is that word that says, confess your sin, be forgiven, move forward, do your ministry, don't look back. But it, now, it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to the light through the gospel. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is, is encouraging Timothy to remember here that death's been destroyed. Death has been destroyed. I want to I tell you something. Death has been destroyed in a powerful way. I want you to look your Bible into Luke 20. I know I'm going to take a little time here to share you how death has been destroyed. Okay? And it's Luke chapter 20. I wish I was more prepared to do this, but it just came to my mind. All right? And uh, the Sadducees came to came to, to Jesus. And they said to him, This man has a wife, had no children, and uh, the woman dies. And he uh, dies and remarries seven times. In heaven, which is his, his wife, he marries seven times, and, all they, and, 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 and they die. And, and who is his wife in heaven? And Jesus began to say, the people of this age marry and are given into marriage, but those who are considered worthy are taking part in that age and in the resurrection of the dead and neither marry nor be given into marriage, and they can, own, can, can no longer die. But they are like angels. They are God's children. But in the, the account of the bush, Moses showed that the dead rise, for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In the transfiguration, Jesus goes up on Mount Hermon, and out of heaven comes two people, Moses and Elijah. And God recognizes Moses and Elijah, and they talk together. So what is the resurrection of the dead? In heaven, there's no dead. All live. In other words, you lost a grandmother. She's in heaven. She's Eunice. She is Lewis. Your father, your mother are alive in heaven. This is exactly what Paul is telling Timothy in the first chapter of 2 Timothy. Clearly saying to him, you've got to believe this, uh, uh, that there's something about eternal life. He says, through the appearing of our Lord Christ, who has destroyed death. In other words, if from heaven came Elijah and Moses, it means that when they go back there, they die? No, they're alive. So if your loved one died, they are alive. 
They, they have identity. He called, he called Moses, Elijah, he, he, Abraham, and Isaac. They're alive. They have a name. I lost my wife two years ago. Mary Lucy has a name. She's in heaven, and she is alive. Why? Because Jesus destroyed. What Paul is saying here to Timothy, that Jesus destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. There's no more powerful message than this. What is he trying to do? He's trying to rebuke all the ideology, all the death realm thought deity that spewed out of hell all over Ephesus and caused Timothy to have headaches and be bothered by these demons day and night. For the society in those days is corroded with demons and gods of other ages that had nothing to do with life in Christ Jesus. And so he's saying, listen, Timothy, for God has not given a spirit of fear. Get up and testify. Don't be ashamed. Get up and testify. You hear me? Now, is that applied to today? I'm doing it right now. What do you think I've been doing down here? Oh, I'll be looking at this camera. I'm testifying that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm testifying that He is the Lord of life. Every single day for close to 40 years, I'm behind this camera. Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. He destroyed death through through the cross of Calvary, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, it will come to judge the quick and the dead. <coughs> if you are dying, hold on to Jesus. Grab my hand. Grab it, grab it, grab it. And He will have life. Grab it. He will give you life and eternal life. Stop dying. Want some more of this? Well, I got more. Let me give it to you. In this gospel, and of this gospel, that's Paul. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, and an apostle, and a teacher. A herald is someone that announces. An apostle is the one that goes into the nations. A teacher is what I'm doing right now. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of God. Grab my hand. Grab my hand. Come out of hell. Come out of hell. Come out of this spirit of fear. Come out. You've been there too long. You've been there too long. You've been, you've been causing yourself a lot of pain. God has not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power. Ooh, hallelujah. And so, ending of the chapter, end of this gospel as appointed herald, apostle, and teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. You know, it's sad to, to hear Paul say this. In other words, it's willing, he's willing to suffer for doing what that God called him to do. That is why I'm suffering as I am, yet I'm not ashamed. Ooh, hallelujah. Ooh, hallelujah. I am not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard what I have entrusted to Him for that day. I'll do it to you again. Yet I'm not ashamed. Because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him in, for that day. 
And I tell you, he is guarding the life of Paul. Paul is alive in heaven, talking, probably listening to LatterRain.com this morning. Paul is probably there, sitting there. Come on, Rick. Come on, tell it like it is. Read it. I wrote that letter. Tell him. Oh, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for this day. Bless my brother in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.